0: Welcome back. It's Grow Yourself Up and it's episode 24. I'm recording this in mid November, 2022, and I'm going to talk about Christmas. For some of you, this might be really early, but I decided that since it's Thanksgiving in the US next week and there are multiple other uh, religious and non-religious holidays kind of scattered across the world, Hanukkah is also coming up in December. Eid is much earlier in the year, but there are multiple um, other holidays. So this applies to any time that you're getting together with family and friends. It might be useful to address family time, spending time together over holiday periods, staying together. How do we preserve some sanity? How can we have relationships with people where there's been so much pain? Kind of getting some clarity about how we can take care of ourselves through this period while also having joy. And honoring that although, um, for many of us, family relationships may be very painful. Actually, there's so much historic stuff and they may be the people we feel closest to. So I'm bringing all that complexity to this today. I want to talk to all of the things around how we can manage ourselves. Cause really all we have control of is ourselves and how can we, um, bring our best selves, enjoy things. Manage, you know, that complexity of staying in a house together or something like that. So I want to start off by saying that family relationships are often the place where there's historically the most pain. It's important actually to sometimes to acknowledge that, um, so my parents are dead, but I can acknowledge for myself that, um, my sibling relationships have been some of my hardest to negotiate in adult life and I have had to grow myself up in my sibling relationships because some of the dynamics that we had in operation from childhood have been very maladaptive in adult life. So I'm the eldest of four children. I was kind of the boss in some way. I took care of my mother. I fought with my dad about his drinking. There was lots of ways in which um, I really kind of took the lead or took control. And that doesn't work in adult life as a dynamic. It also, you know, if you're constantly giving people feedback or advice, it's really annoying for them. And it also takes away their own sense of agency. So I've really personally had to not do that. And so I can speak both professionally um, from working with clients on these type of issues, but also personally that acknowledging that your sibling and family relationships are some of the hardest and you still may really want to continue. I know some of you listening will have a no contact boundary in place with some of your family members. And, um, that's great. And if that works for you, that's great. I am in a good relationship with all of my siblings and that has taken work and, you know, renegotiating how we each are an adult relationship and honoring ourselves while also honoring our impact and understanding our impact and understanding how we may blindly operate from old patterns is really important. Let me give you an example. My siblings and I each have a slightly different culture in our homes. We do things differently. And when we come together, it's important we respect that. And how do we actually do that? You'll notice that I'm referring a lot to sibling relationships because that's applicable to my life. This applies though in all relationships, actually. Um, And in your family, you can apply this to your parents, your in-laws, aunts, uncles, cousins, everyone. It's all about how you hold yourself in relationship and how you hope you can be. So think about the state that you would like to be in when you're on any kind of holiday gathering or in someone else's house. And I'm hoping this episode will help you with kind of holding yourself. And also, if any of you are worried about data protection or GDPR, (laughs) uh, just to let you know, I have asked my family if it's okay if I share some of the stories that are coming up. So don't worry about that. So when we kind of are planning a holiday period, what can often happen in families is that old dynamics come into play. And if you have always pleased your parents or if your partner, if you have a partner, pleases their parents, then the wishes of those parents may dominate everything. And, um, you may find yourself completely run ragged and racing all over the place to please that, that relative or this relative or that set of friends and never pausing to actually notice what is it that you would like to do over this holiday period. Now I'm going to speak about, um, Christmas. I was raised in a, um, strong, strict Catholic home. So, um, Christmas is always a, a time of celebration and family time. So notice what fantasies are you bringing about Christmas? or what fantasies are you bringing about your own holiday period? Does it feel like you need to recreate something for other family members? Does it feel like you need to play a part in creating their fantasy? And how does that normally play out? Does that mean you all have to go to the same house? Does it mean that um, that person does all the cooking? Really get a a clear view of what you're signing up for before you sign up for it because often so the fantasy of how we think things should be or how we think they are going to be is what actually trips us up. My siblings and I committed, so my parents are both dead, and after they died, my siblings and I committed that we would still each do Christmases together, so we would alternate if we had partners. So we committed that we'd do like sibling Christmas and then um an alternate Christmas, sibling Christmas, alternate Christmas. And we were spread between the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere, so we Acknowledged that we would alternate that as well, and um on one of the first like big trips, which was like a massive um kind of fantasy, we went through a huge process of selecting where to go. We picked um Italy, so we decided we would go to Tuscany over Christmas, and there was a very adult uh, process actually around deciding which specific villa we would stay in. We each found um multiple options, we had a spreadsheet. We um each voted on the options we we really spread that responsibility and it it really boded well for a really wonderful trip because of the way that we'd organized it first, it was very collaborative, everyone was involved, everyone's opinion was very important no one was was more or less important than anyone else, and we all really um were excited to go on it and The trip was lovely; it had some really, really lovely aspects to it. And there was quite a lot of complexity that arose. It was the first time that uh two families had had children, so previously, when we'd been on a big Christmas holiday together, there was only one baby, and we all were absolutely delighted with him and kind of oudenard over that and Then this next time, there were um babies and toddlers, and there were some challenges around some of the stuff with the baby and the toddlers and it, it culminated essentially and in a huge, huge fight where I was worried that, ooh, I think we were all worried actually that our brothers and my brothers in law would come to blows, that we would actually have some sort of physical fighting. And it was very stressful for everyone involved. There'd also been something on Christmas Day where I had had a, I think an argument with my sister in law over potatoes. And this might sound ridiculous as you listen to this, but these are the things that play out over family holidays. I had wanted to roast them in like a f- fat and um, She wanted to do them with rosemary or vice versa. But I personally, I can't speak for her, I had attached so much importance to the way that I wanted to cook the potatoes because of what they symbolized to me and how food was a comfort, how it, these type of potatoes were part of my fantasy Christmas meal. And I'm sharing this kind of granular detail for you because we can get really tripped up in things that are a lot about our past and in trying to control things because we think that'll keep us safe. And really, we are each adults now, and we are the boss of our own safety. One thing we can always know is that we can always provide ourselves with emotional safety. That can never be taken away from us. No matter what is going on around us, we are the ones who can soothe ourselves, who can think, who can reframe something, who can come up with a different solution, who can be flexible we don't need the environment around us to give us that safety because we are adults now. And if necessary, we can always remove ourselves. But the idea that other people will give us that safety is not always true. And more than that, we are not safe from terrible things happening. So there's kind of the only guarantee in some ways in life, I think, is we are there for ourselves. And so that's our kind of job, to be endlessly there for ourselves. And when we go on family holidays, what often happens, or we spend time together in a kind of concentrated way, or we spend time in other people's houses or be in their homes is that old, our implicit memories come up. So uh, the ways in which those experiences have happened in the past get kind of, we may get flooded with that, those implicit memories, um, trigger us into a child state and we kind of, May lose our objectivity and, and really want to be very controlling of things so that we think, because we think that's providing us with safety. So in my case, if I link it back to the potatoes, it was very much about like, I want this Christmas lunch because this is, you know, going to make me safe and happy, even though at the time I wouldn't have narrated that it was safety. So there was where there was that with the potatoes and I really have to like look at what do I take to situations? How do I try and control? Is that useful? No, it's not actually and kind of let things be more. Returning to what happened with my brothers-in-law, as a result of that, we've only ever spent one other Christmas together. And we're much, much more mindful now about how we spend time together. Do we all stay in the same house? What are the constraints around the children? How do we manage food? Because often, when families come together, particularly if you're staying in the same place, there's a lot of the challenge comes. Well, there's three kind of main areas. I'd say food, children and the rooms. So who's going to get the best room? Who's got a room with a bathroom? Um, who's got better beds in their room? All of those type of minutiae can really be blown up into like a huge, um, issue. And I know that this is not just my family. So if we, if we kind of look at those issues in, in turn. So if you're planning to have. Christmas with either friends or family or or you're celebrating um Jewish New Year or you're celebrating New Year or you're celebrating Hanukkah or you're celebrating Diwali's just been whatever you're celebrating wherever you're coming together in big groups where there's um time for tension, what can you do um up front? how can you plan so that everyone kind of partakes in things and everyone gets a chance to um have their preferences and that it's clear who's going to manage things. So we have found um, that planning food or doing meals um, sometimes separately can be really helpful and then coming together for specific meals often out in restaurants can be really helpful. Thinking about children, everyone has a slightly different way of parenting, a slightly different way of how you deal with bedtime on holiday, how you deal with bath time. Where do you relax your routine? Where does it feel comfortable to relax your routine? Is the routine actually really important for everyone to feel um, anchored? And so see if you can flesh that out beforehand because you may be going on holiday with friends or family members who have no routine and who are happy for their children to go to bed really late or um, they don't stick to a set thing of mealtimes. And that alone will cause conflict if you don't kind of understand that ahead of time. Because the dynamics of totally different timetables are very, very stressful. So kind of see if you can try and get ahead of the curve in that way and understand if your sister or your brother and their partner's parent in a totally different way, maybe you don't want to stay together or maybe you want to stay together and perhaps you stay in a house where they've got two kitchens and perhaps you separate out at 6 PM and you do separate suppers or something to really honor both of the processes, both those families, because what we don't want to get into is assuming that our process is better than someone else's. Everyone has their own free will to choose how they run their families. And particularly in dysfunctional families, we've often been so much in each other's business that we feel that it's our job or our business to constantly comment on other people, to give them free advice all the time, to criticize, or to just kind of give our comments. And I think I shared really early on in this series of podcasts, how when we've grown up in a family where we've been enmeshed and boundaries haven't been allowed, it is like we're all stuck in the same strawberry jam and we all kind of up in each other's business. And what we really want to do is carve ourselves out of that. And that means that we give ourselves respect and we allow ourselves boundaries and we also give everyone else respect and boundaries. And so we don't feel that it's our job to comment on them or to Tell them how they could better themselves or better their children or better their routine. We kind of acknowledge that's your business. I want to give you some wisdom from, actually from Alcoholics Anonymous. So AA have got um, a set of three questions that are often used as a kind of a way to ponder, should I say something? And the questions are, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said now? And does this need to be said by me? And I personally find those questions really helpful in negotiating family dynamics because I might think a whole lot of things. I might discuss a whole lot of things with my own partner. Um, I might write some things in my journal, but none of that needs to come into the sort of field if it's not necessary. And often the answer to those questions, so the questions again are, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said now? And does it need to be said by me? Often the answers is on three no's. And yet, if you, like me, have been the older caretaking sister, you might have felt that it's your job to dish up that. Or as a younger sister or a younger sibling who may not have seen agency, you may put yourself in a in a position of believing that what your siblings say is the absolute truth. It's not. So really kind of notice that. Notice how those questions land with you. It might feel very unfamiliar to even consider um, holding your tongue it might feel that that might bring a lack of closeness. I have had to really myself go through a process of learning that my siblings can't be my parents. So particularly in the postpartum period when I really, really struggled, I wanted care from them, which they were not able to give. And One of my sisters and I had a lot of um, conflict around that time and around when I had children because she really struggled with how much I struggled. And she didn't want to hear about it. And I felt really resentful that she didn't want to hear about it and that she couldn't kind of give me what, what I needed. But that wasn't her job. She cannot fulfill the role of a dead mother or a mother who was never actually really there, um, truly for us. And so there's great pain and grief in that, but it also frees up our sibling relationships in the present moment to notice what we can offer each other. Like where can we be supportive and loving? And really connect and use that historic closeness to create beautiful adult relationships. and I personally am deeply grateful for the work that I've done and um and that all my siblings have done actually, so that we can still be in contact, we can still be loving, we can notice some of the dysfunction, and we can kind of uh, it's a great sadness, a terrible sadness that it once makes me tearful now as I say this to you, but when we didn't get what we needed first time round from our parents other adults can't really give it to us. We have to love ourselves unconditionally and then turn up in our adult relationships and ask for help. But we can't kind of splatter our childhood trauma all over our adult relationships and hope other adults will rescue us because that's not their job. And it's too much pressure actually as well. So that unconditional love that comes from ourselves, we love ourselves unconditionally. And I can now love myself unconditionally and present Myself sometimes in my sibling relationships and ask for what I need, and I get it, and it's very loving and it's very beautiful. But, you know, we have to manage our own our own child state and soothe our inner child. So I really want to urge you ahead of time to think about your needs, to think about, oh, actually, it's not going to work for us to drive cross-country like multiple days because that's going to exhaust us. We're going to feel stressed and we're not going to have any enjoyment, and we're just pleasing people. Notice that. Say that to whoever's trying to invite you to places. Acknowledge that you may get pushback on that and that that's okay. You can sit with displeasure from some of your, your family members or your friends. It's not your job to please everyone. If you're planning on staying in similar or the same accommodation, like in the same house, look at the rooms really honestly. Have a discussion about, um, this one's got a better bathroom or that one's got a bed or you need space for a cot and acknowledge. That you're happy to give those rooms up or that it's actually really important for you that you have this room. Like notice your needs. If there's a massive discrepancy in the rooms, maybe adjust the price. Really notice how you can each get your needs met and have a, as honest a discussion as you can. That really goes a long way to kind of building better relationship. One of the things that we talk about in my family is being on stage, being on stage and off stage. So on stage is when we're behaving well when we're being respectful and boundaryed, and not dishing up tons of free advice or commenting on each other's children or each other's like discipline or anything like that, where we just kind of really mindful of where we have influence and where we don't, because really all we can control is ourselves. We don't control our own children. We, you know, we guide them and we parent them, but you know, we can't control them. We certainly cannot control someone else's children. And it's not our job to start dishing up lots of advice about Other people's children. If someone asks us specifically for help, that's a different issue. If they ask us for our opinion or say, how did you deal with this issue? That's different. But we kind of, and we laugh about this as a family, this idea of being on stage, because sometimes we go spectacularly off stage. Um, but being off stage is kind of when everything falls apart, you know, try and be on stage as much as you can. Notice what you need to do to help yourself be on stage. Notice what it is that feels that makes you feel like you're going to have a successful day on Christmas. For some of us, that might be going for an early morning walk. It might be that we really prioritize doing some yoga stretching in the morning. It might be that we really, so I love my own specific English breakfast tea. So I take that when I go places and that makes me feel grounded and comforted because then I know I can have a lovely cup of tea. When I go to my in-laws in France, I take my own tea because you can't get the tea that I really like in France. And that makes me feel Like content and grounded and like I'm taking care of myself and I love my cups of tea. So I take that. It might sound very like fussy to you, but that's one of the ways that I take care of myself. So notice what makes you happy? Do you love like oat milk and there's no oat milk in the place that you're going? Take the oat milk with you then. Like do the things that you need to do to make sure you have a nice time, as nice a time as possible. You know, when you're all together in a house with lots of children. Sometimes it can really help to have others over to dilute dynamics that are tricky. Notice if that's helpful. You might all find it much easier to be on stage if you have a friend there. So notice how can we mix this up so that we can all have as nice a time as possible? How can we really celebrate being together and be as adult as we can? Does that mean we need to invite like another family? Maybe that will help us really notice what does that in your family. Try and be as clear about your intentions. As possible. Notice that some of you are sensitive and some are less so. So I'm much more sensitive than certainly than one of my sisters. And so I can get much more upset about things or sometimes, um, not, um, pull back enough or sometimes lose a bit of perspective. So, you know, notice maybe some people are more sensitive. Maybe some people are less sensitive. So you can, you can narrate that in the group as well. That's really helpful to do that sometimes. This idea, I think I've just mentioned success criteria, but what is your success criteria? What would make you just yourself have felt like you've had a successful day? You know, maybe that's sitting in your pajamas all day and eating quality street on the sofa, or maybe that's eating pumpkin pie over Thanksgiving and not getting out of your onesie or something. Whatever that is for you, try and see if you can have a day like that, or you can build in time like that for you to really make you feel like you're also having a good time. It's very difficult. I've talked a bit about holidays before on the podcast and some earlier episodes, but it's really difficult as a parent, particularly, to feel like you're getting any rest or any, de- any holiday period because you've still got all the huge, huge burden of childcare tasks, of feeding, of bathing, bedtime, all of those. That doesn't go away in the holiday period. And so how can you deal with that with as much grace as possible while not getting too resentful and still feel like you're getting a break? Can you Take afternoon naps and then one family takes all the children, you know, think creatively about how you can get your needs met. That's kind of my main message because you will feel much more nourished. If you have had your needs met, you'll be able to much more likely turn up as an adult to look at your part in things, to acknowledge. I do want to be in relationship with these people and it's hard. I conclude over and over in my own life. I deeply love my siblings. I have found some of the negotiations really hard, but I remain deeply committed to having these relationships and I will do what it takes to to nourish those relationships and nurture them and continue to look at my part in them. Okay, I'm wondering how this is sitting with you. I'm wondering how Christmases go down in your family or how Thanksgiving goes down. And I'm wondering if you can really give yourselves time to just ponder what you would like to create. Really give yourself the privilege of taking time to choose and to try and set about acting on some of those intentions. Okay. I'm sending you lots of love. Our Christmas tree is already up. So yes, we put our Christmas tree up a full six weeks before Christmas and I am embracing the holiday period. Okay. Sending love from my heart to yours. You've been listening to Grow Yourself Up, hosted by Kath Cunahan. We'll be back next week with a new episode supporting you to better understand and tend to yourself for more heart-centered, connected, authentic, and resilient living.